Hello and welcome to Biopod, the official podcast for the School of Biological Sciences here at the University of Edinburgh. Hello and welcome to Biopod, the official podcast for the School of Biological Sciences here at the University of Edinburgh. I'm Louis and today we're sitting down with Deanna and Dave, who are undergrad students here in the School of Biological Sciences at Edinburgh. We're also lucky to be joined by Charity Siwa at the University of Health and Allied Sciences in Ghana. Hi guys. Hi. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. They are from this year's iGEM team. So for anyone that doesn't know, what is iGEM? So iGEM is essentially an annual synthetic biology competition. It stands for the International Genetically Engineered Machine. And I think one thing people do get confused about is that it's a science competition, but it really is very interdisciplinary. It has different aspects to it. You have outreach, you have lab work, you have experimental design, you have fundraising. There's just a lot of different sides to it. And I think it's a great opportunity for students to kind of engage with global problems and use synthetic biology to target these global problems. Sounds great. So what do you have to do in iGEM to win? So for iGEM, for you to win, there are different, different specifications. So we have ones which you have to collaborate with other teams, which will give you upper hand. And we have the one which you also have to partner with other teams. And so it depends. Winning iGEM is not necessarily having proof of concepts of your lab work or your lab work going well for you. But it's all about you having a good story to tell and to also explain to the judges that your project is able to solve problems even though you are not able to get a good lab result. But then if you are able to get help in hand, you are able to solve the local problem. So in winning iGEM, it's all about you being able to tell a good story about how your project came about and how it has landed you. It sounds like a really great way of putting science into action. So how was your iGEM team formed? So um, essentially it started off with Professor Chris French uh, creating a joint team with Professor Corbena Duedu at UHAS. And uh, Professor Corbena Duedu was a previous PhD student with Professor French and they decided that they would do a joint team and this was supposed to happen before COVID but obviously for COVID reasons iGEM didn't happen. So now we had this joint collaboration between Ghana and Scotland and it was a great opportunity to kind of join the student body of Edinburgh with UHAS and allow us to have kind of more access to human practices and stakeholders in Ghana and essentially another chance of creating local solutions to local problems, which really fit within the iGEM ethos. And it's actually quite unique, our our joint team, because there aren't many teams in the past that have had this dynamic of international collaboration, which has been great. Nice. So what problem is your iGEM team trying to tackle? Okay, so for our iGEM team this year, we are tackling heavy metal pollution in water body. And we are also tackling plastic pollution. And so for the heavy metal pollutions, we are tackling um, Ghana here. The reason why we chose Ghana here is because of illegal mining activities which occur in most of the rural areas in Ghana. And so these illegal mining activities end up polluting our water bodies. 
depositing heavy metals in them. So these are the problem we are tackling this year. Sounds like an important problem. So at the moment, how are heavy metals currently detected? Okay, so at the moment, they use reagents in detecting heavy metal pollution. So they, they take sample of water, add the reagents to it. And so when there's a color change, each color change determines the particular heavy metal. So at the moment, they use reagents in detecting this heavy metal pollution. And what are the problems with current heavy metal detection? Okay, so at the moment, these problems mostly occur in the rural areas. And these rural areas don't have access to these regions. The regions are available in the urban areas. And so when there is a pollution or those people living in the rural areas, they don't have access to the regions. And the regions will be able to detect when there is an amount of heavy metal pollution. So what were the important features that you want an improved detection method to have? The, the problem is at the rural areas. And so we want a particular method that these local people stay in the areas are able to just detect it on their own. They don't need to take the sample to urban areas to be able to detect the problem. But then at their local communities, they have access to easy metal to be able to detect that this particular metal is in this water and so they are not able to drink it. Okay, so your team are clearly working on an important and relevant problem. It sounds like new detection and treatment methods for heavy metal contamination are needed. How did you go about using engineered biology to target water pollution? Um, So firstly, we wanted to come up with a method for um, biosensing or detecting heavy metals using a biosensor. And so for for all of our science, we decided to use cell-free systems. So we came up with improving the biosensor from the 2020 Edinburgh iGEM team, which was called Finding Nemo. And uh, we decided to include more metals. And so we decided to create a biosensor that would use transcription factors to to target and detect heavy metals like cadmium, lead, and mercury. And so in order to do that, we, we decided upon specific transcription factors and uh, we wanted to come up with a way to assemble our DNA. So we used something called a jump assembly because iGEM is a uh, parts design competition as much as it is a wet lab and getting results competition. So we designed our parts and we tried to actually get results for our biosensor. And um, that unfortunately did not happen. The result that we were looking for was some form of fluorescence caused by an RNA aptamer and that is something that we did not achieve in our lab work. So you've mentioned cell-free systems, which we've heard about on the podcast before. So what were the benefits of using cell-free technology in this application? So the main benefit of using cell-free systems was the fact that you're you're targeting biosafety and you're kind of diverting the issues of the controversies of using genetically engineered organisms and putting them into the wild where you have a very uncontrolled environment. that is one of the benefits of this of our device because we would be able to ideally be one step closer to implementation if this were to work um, and not have to deal with things like the political downsides and the political controversies of GM. It's also good because you don't have to worry about keeping organisms alive and um, having all the extra added costs of maintain of maintaining biological living conditions for the organism that's carrying out the processes. 
you're able to capitalize on kind of biological technology without the worry about kind of genetically modified organism escape and all the kind of um, more controversial aspects of kind of engineered biology. Exactly. Um, so what you also mentioned were the use of RNA aptamers, which is obviously a very upcoming and um, topical technology. So for anyone that doesn't know, what are RNA aptamers? RNA aptamers are great for diagnostics and therapeutics. Um, they are essentially RNA oligonucleotides, and they bind to specific targets with high affinity and specificity. So it's kind of like how antibodies would bind to an antigen, and essentially that's how our biosensor works. And they allow fluorescence to occur in the presence of a certain heavy metal, which the biosensor would detect. Yeah, yeah and um, so we tried using different RNA aptamers, uh, like ice spinach, spinach to squash and broccoli. And since we didn't detect any um, actual fluorescence with our lab work, we evolved to model our transcription factors in silico in partnership with the team from Munich doing iGEM 2022 as well. So you got all your greens while you were screening for your RNA aptamers then? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned that you were doing some docking simulations? Yes. Um, so for a lot of the project, we did rely heavily on protein modeling and docking simulations, which uh, for anyone that does not know, you take protein sequences and you use a, you use a software called AlphaFold to create the protein structure for it. And then you use um, a method called auto-docking to, to dock any sort of uh, any ligand or substrate to that protein um, digitally. So we partnered up with Team Munich to dock transcription factors to DNA and, um, and metals and heavy metals that, that we were interested in sort of finding out the actual wet lab results for. And um, so, as well as a biosensor detection method, your team has also thought about a way to treat uh, identified contamination, is that right? Yes. The goal was to tackle uh, water pollution as a whole. And so, to do that in terms of heavy metals, uh, not only did we want to find a way to detect different heavy metals in water samples, but we also wanted to find a way to remediate some of the issues with heavy metals, given the fact that heavy metals are toxic to biodiversity and, and human beings. So in order to do that, uh, we decided to explore this relatively small protein called metallothionines. Metallothionines are expressed in most life forms, and they are used for metal homeostasis and bioaccumulation. And so we used metallothionines as a, as a method to try and uh, bioremediate heavy metals in water pollution samples. Nice. Uh, and so in a kind of reward application where your biosensor is going off and give, is giving you a positive result for heavy metal contamination, how are you thinking about the application of meta, uh, metallothionines? Um, yeah, so for metallothionines, we came up with uh, a system involving cellulose hydrogels. Uh, so we actually created cellulose hydrogels and we tagged our protein construct with cellulose binding domains and of course this little tag called SUMO which stabilizes our metallothionines uh, and prevents them from being degraded by the cell and we again went with a cell-free approach in which we would take our recombinantly expressed tagged metallothionine and immobilize it into the cellulose hydrogel and then essentially drop it in some contaminated water and given the fact that metallothionines chelate metals, we would then be able to 
essentially collect heavy metals out of the water. Exciting. You've kind of thought you thought the project all the way through from sensing to, to treatment, which is great. Nice. And as well as being an iGen team, you're also part of Edinburgh and UHAS's iDEC team. Is that right? Yes. And what is iDEC? Right. So iDEC is an international directed evolution competition that was started here at the University of Edinburgh a few years ago. And uh, the goal of the competition is simply to allow people to explore directed evolution as as an approach to biology and improving already functioning parts within synthetic biology and to again solve problems uh, in a way that, that, that involves improving the pre-existing solutions to problems. Nice, so you're part of two very exciting kind of synthetic biology competitions. That is right. And very international as well. How did your iGEM work feed into the iDEC project? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I guess um, we initially hadn't really thought of doing the iDEC project. And then at some point, uh, we were working through bioremediation using metallothionines. And uh, one of us came up with this idea of, okay, we could probably find a way to directly evolve metallothionines. And we went and spoke to our PIs and organizers about it. And then they signed us up for iDEC uh, after we exhibited potential for actually directly evolving metallothionines. And that's how the iDEC team was born. And it came from the, the idea of improving metallothionines and their function. So for, I, for the iDEC team, we ended up exploring the potential of uh, directly evolving metallothionines as opposed to using pre-existing selection and, and screening techniques. We wanted to come up with our own screening and selection technique and, uh, and explore the potential of negative selection and mutant screening technique using silver nitrate toxicity as a test for improved metallothionines. So as well as having these great solutions for heavy metal contamination, you've also been working on a route to degrade plastic pollution. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, we thought it was equally as important to look at PET plastic pollution because PET plastic does have a big issue with clogging waterways and causing flooding and other waterborne diseases, particularly in Ghana. And so we essentially took inspiration from an organism called Adenella sakaiensis, so I sakaiensis, which was first discovered in 2016. And uh, this particular bacteria, it has these enzymes called PETases, which metabolize PET, that stands for polyethylene terephthalic acid. PETases can biodegrade uh, PET into MHET, which is, stands for mono-2-hydroxyethyl terephthalate. This can then be degraded by MHET into ethylene, glycol, and terephthalic acid. And yeah, the idea was to take these enzymes um, and generate various mutants of these enzymes to try to see which of the mutants is the best at converting PET into these other compounds, so ethylene glycol and terephthalic acid. And the reason why we want to do this is because um, Dr. Seidler at the University of Edinburgh does a lot of work with bioconversion of terephthalic acid into vanillin. So that would have been another scope of our project, but we ended up just sticking to looking for the best PETase mutant. And we took these PETase um, DNA and we took inserted these into E. coli as that was our model organism. And we wanted to essentially find which of the enzymes was the best at uh, metabolizing PET. Nice. So you carried out some kind of mutagenesis experiments with the with your PETase uh, variants? No? 
Um, no, in, in this case, we designed our DNA um, synthetically. So we, we ordered our DNA from IDT and they synthetically made our DNA and we just transformed our E. coli with these modified enzymes. Nice, you did like some sort of like in silico mutagenesis. mutagenesis then, targeted mutagenesis. Nice. And so your kind of, your PET uh, enzymes, you went through a screening process to identify the best variants, is that right? So yeah, we immobilized our, these enzymes in silica beads and we had these in a in an Eppendorf tube for about a week with different with actual PET plastics um, fragments and after a week we measured the the mass of the fragments and we found that there actually was a particular enzyme with increased PETase activity that was very exciting and yeah it's great yeah and I guess it really links it links really well into kind of Dr Sadler's work uh, which is a really kind of really great example of upcycling and valorizing kind of waste and you can kind of imagine I guess and kind of these blocked water, water kind of streams in Ghana that you could not only uh, destroy and kind of uh, allow the water streams to work again, but you could kind of actually like take that uh, chemical uh, potential and turn it into something more more useful, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, there actually is a specific company in Ghana. It's the Zoom Line company. They actually, uh, we did talk to them quite a bit about human practices and they expressed the need for PET plastic biodegradation techniques and systems to deal with PT plastic waste. So that was great for justifying that side of our project. Great. So kind of during your time on, on the project for the iGEM and iTech, did you kind of face any challenges, unexpected or, or otherwise? Um, yeah, at least in the lab, we, we faced quite a few challenges and, and that led to a lot of uh, inadvertent learning. Uh, so firstly, I guess all of us are undergraduates and we didn't have any experience with research especially since we haven't done our honors project yet so we did not know that things tend to fail in the lab a bunch of times you know uh from our from our experience we have read a lot of papers and they present a lot of nice results and we didn't expect things to fail for quite a long time and things requiring a lot of troubleshooting and uh and that was a really interesting experience in, in terms of specifics. You know, uh, we use this jump assembly, as I mentioned, to, to assemble our DNA. And we wanted to transform that DNA and get our cells, our E. coli cells, expressing that protein. And in order to do that, there, there, there's, there's several steps that could go wrong that did go wrong. And we had to troubleshoot by removing certain reagents and seeing what was wrong or sort of remaking ourselves to be more competent and take our DNA in a better fashion and uh, that in itself took months of learning and in terms of in silico modeling uh, we we had to take a lot of help from people who were better equipped at, at AlphaFold for instance to model our, our proteins and also for docking simulations. Uh, so docking simulations usually work uh, work with organic molecules but as for the metallothionines we wanted to try to dock silver ions as our model heavy metal into with metallothionines and that required us to understand how um, how different residues interact with different inorganic molecules or, or in our inorganic ions and we had to restructure our our docking pipeline to involve coordinate bonding and covalent bonding and that in itself was an interesting experience for us all nice um, so, so you're coming towards the end of your iDEC and iGEM projects. 
after you guys finish getting your results for your competitions, what's the next step? Right. Um, for iGEM, the next step is the iGEM Jamboree that happens in October, uh, for which we need to set up a wiki, which is a, a website where all of our lab work, the human practices, the outreach, and everything in between that we did for iGEM comes together and is presented in the best way so that uh, so that judges can look at that and, and hopefully award us different medals. And for IDEC, it, it comes in the form of a report that we just finished writing, and that gets judged during the IDEC festival in October. Yeah, and we will we will also be going to the Great Jamboree in Paris. That's the 26th, 28th of October. It's very exciting. We're going to have over, I mean, there'll be 7,000 plus people there from over 300 different teams from all around the world. So it's going to be a major hub of synthetic biology. And it's, I think it's just very exciting to see all these people and to meet all the different teams and to meet companies. And yeah, I'm very excited, if you can't tell. Well, I'm excited too. <laughs> Well, I'm certainly very jealous. It sounds like you're going to have a great time. Uh, if you were kind of looking back on your projects and how it's gone over the last kind of the last summer, is there any advice to students that you give kind of thinking about taking up an iGEM project next year? I think one thing about iGEM is when you go into it, it's really important to know that you will experience a very big learning curve. And I think if you are looking to join iGEM and you're feeling a bit unsure or you feel a bit underqualified, which was definitely the case for me. I think it's just you should just go for it because you will learn so much and you'll learn a lot more about yourself and about what you like. And of course, like with me, I think iGEM taught me a lot about learning and how it's okay not to know certain things and it's okay to feel like you know nothing because at the end of the day, we're all here to learn. When it comes to setting up a team, I think one great thing is to collaborate with other teams around the world. So the whole US-Edinburgh collaboration, even though it did, of course, have its challenges, I think it was a really good experience for, for both sides. I don't know if Charity wants to add to that. Yeah, I would like to say something. Yeah, I think the collaboration was um, was a, good, a great platform for us to learn because we are all different people from different countries, having different understanding, and our curriculum also is between. And then, um, this collaboration I've taught her that no matter what, you are able to come together from different countries and solve a local problem. And so this collaboration was a great platform for us to learn. Uh, to add to that, uh, I guess a very important point is that you don't really have to do wet lab work to be a part of iGEM or even iDEC, for instance, or, or know what you want to do with, with the things that you're learning at an undergraduate level in university. You know, it's, 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 it's an important way to sort of explore the avenue of research in all its different facets. You know, some of us found out that we're great at science communication and are writing up the iGEM wiki and, uh, and organizing things like outreach events and, uh, and even fundraising. Some of us found the, the lab work to be rather exciting and we love sitting down and spending time in the lab and troubleshooting and and actually getting results. And including that, it's also a design competition for parts. So you don't actually ever have to step into the to the lab to even be a biologist here. Uh, for both of our, for, for both of our projects, we relied heavily on um, bioinformatics and docking simulations and in the form of uh, protein modeling and things like that don't don't necessarily have to involve you being a bench biologist and can also be very useful to IDEC and iGEM. 
And also, I think one thing iGEM does like to promote is the whole interdisciplinarity of synthetic biology. So I think that's a very big thing. So if you are doing a biology degree or even computer science or just maybe not in the field of strictly biology, don't be afraid to join iGEM because iGEM loves that, it, the whole idea of collaboration from different fields, because you never know when certain perspectives can actually be very helpful in solving certain problems. Sounds like a great opportunity to see what it's like to form a biotech company and kind of think about all the things that are required in kind of enterprise and kind of the application of science kind of generally and kind of in synthetic biology. So it sounds like a, an amazing opportunity to work in a kind of international team. Did you guys enjoy the, the, the experience and working with kind of different team members in different, different countries? I really enjoyed it. Um, I think a good thing about iGEM is it teaches you about collaboration and that's a very big thing in science and I think it's difficult to get that experience when like when you're in undergrad because you're very much like on your own and you kind of work by yourself but collaboration is a really good skill to have and um, working with UHAS was also very nice because it was interesting to see a different university and how they tackle teaching science and how can it, like resources there are different in terms of lab work and in terms of the kind of things that they would do in their curriculum and it was interesting to have a more first-hand well, view on the human practices side of things and the stakeholders and the issues of water pollution and all of that. Because in Scotland, the water here is known to be quite good, but actually, yeah, having the other perspective from US and from Ghana was good. Also, one good thing about this joint team collaboration was we realized that actually uh, Scotland, even though it's known to have really good water, when we were talking to organizations like SEPA, uh, the Scottish Environmental Protection Agency, they we had an interview with them and we talked about our project and they were quite interested even in the biosensor side because even though most water bodies are known to be quite clean in Scotland, there actually isn't that much data on certain areas. So having a biosensor device would actually be really valuable and we actually do need some more data in certain areas. It's these kinds of collaborations that are actually really useful and which is why I think we should encourage more iGEM teams to do this because you actually learn more about about certain issues that you might not actually have thought of, like which is the case of water pollution in Scotland, well, heavy metal pollution. Great, thanks guys. Thanks again to Deanna, Dave and Charity for telling us about their exciting iGEM project and I'm sure on behalf of the team uh, and our listeners, we wish you the very best of luck uh, with Paris and, and the end of your competition. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for having us on the Biopod podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We are grateful. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. So is, there, is there anywhere where people can keep up with the project? Um, so the project will be advertised in the iGEM wiki and the iDEC wiki. That's where you can learn more information about the project itself. And keeping up with the project, we would also put in the results there of, of, of how we performed. And you can add us on Instagram, which at Petalution, which is P-E-T-A-L-U-T-I-O-N. Petalution. Yes. Nice. Thanks again to Deanna, Fave, and Charity for telling us about their exciting iGEM project. And on behalf of the team and our listeners, I wish you the very best of luck in Paris. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to it. And follow us on Twitter at Biopod Edinburgh or on Instagram. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of your day and see you next time. Bye.